Listen to better music and listen to music better. Welcome to True Tunes at 45 RPM, the short form version of the ongoing conversation you'll hear on the True Tunes podcast and in the digital pages at truetunes.com. And now your host, John J. Thompson. this was a video podcast, you'd be able to see that I have a different hat on than usual today. I come to you today with this special extended 45 RPM episode of the podcast as both the host and kind of as the guest of the show. Yes, along with producer Matt Goldman, my musical and life partner Michelle and I are going to talk about our music for a bit today. Because before I started True Tunes back in the 80s, before I wrote about music, before I promoted concerts or sold CDs or published a magazine, before I had anything to do with the music business, I was just a kid in the Chicago suburbs with a guitar, some insane hair, and songs that I was determined to share. I was a little boy, and I guess I still am, and I need a place to hide, like I need a back then. A little shack out in the woods, overgrown with trees. In fact, True Tunes was originally supposed to be the day job I would have until my music took off. As you may have heard in my conversation with Charlie Peacock on our first episode, however, True Tunes took off much faster than my music did. But I never stopped writing songs, booking occasional shows, and even recording. Early on, I got a really cute and amazing girl named Michelle to sing backing vocals in my band, and now, 33 years later, she's still here, doing a lot more than singing backup. Michelle is a songwriter in her own right, and actually sang more of the lead vocals on the last Wayside album than I did. I remember back in the 90s when I wrote an article in the True Tunes magazine about one of my favorite artists. When he read it, he told me that he could tell I was an artist by the way that I wrote about music. That meant a lot to me. My own music making was taking a back seat to working on behalf of other artists and fans, but my sensitivity to the needs of artists was due in large part to the fact that I was one. Well, Michelle and I, The Wayside, just released two new songs with a band that, this time, includes our longtime friends Steve Hindelong of The Choir on drums and percussion and Jimmy Abegg of Vector, a ragamuffin band and a perfect foil on bass and electric guitar. Newer friends Dan Wheeler and Hunter Spivey played acoustic guitar and keyboards respectively, 
and I've got to say, it was so much fun, and I am so excited about these songs that I really hope you'll give them a chance. And to finally get a chance to work with Matt Goldman after all these years, well, it was amazing. And here's the thing, it really is hard to cut through the noise out there with new music. Even though The Wayside has been making music for over 30 years, it's truly like we're starting all over again. There are ghosts in the needle As it scrapes music from the grooves Johnny Merle and Patsy And the songs will never lose There are ghosts in the needle They push me toward the light A holy kind of haunting I'm dancing Plus, you may have heard that I recently accepted an offer to become the Director of Music Industry Studies at Lipscomb University here in Nashville. I'm working with aspiring artists and music business professionals, teaching them how the industry works, and most of them will end up being independent artists. So, releasing new music right now in this commercial, or really non-commercial environment, well, it's keeping me on my toes as a teacher, too. I can't wait for you to get to know Matt Goldman. I recently went over to his studio in East Nashville to talk with him about his crazy story, from working as a journeyman drummer for bands like Vigilantes of Love and Jacob's Trouble, to producing breakthrough hard music albums for The Chariot, Under Oath, and others, to his work with one of my favorite alternative bands, Luxury. We'll roll out that conversation on a future episode of the podcast. We also taped a little side conversation with him about our sessions for these Wayside songs. And Michelle joined me for a rare early morning chat before she started her daily songwriting regimen to share her thoughts on these songs and some other things. So, I'm turning the tables on myself this time, attempting to shed some light on the music that I make with a little help from my friends, and to give you a listen to the new songs we just recorded together. Three decades in, I don't think you really can fully understand the perspective I bring to listening to music unless you know that I also make music. First up, let's head over across East Nashville, just a few miles from my home, to Matt Goldman's glow-in-the-dark studio. Thanks for taking some uh, a few minutes here to talk. Uh, it was really fun working with you on these songs. Oh, awesome. Yeah, um, I had a blast. And, and it was fun to work together on anything after all these years knowing each other. Right. But uh, thank you for kicking me in the butt and saying, hey, do you got a couple songs? We should just do it, because that's really what happened. One of my sons was here who's in a black metal band and is a huge fan of the hard music that we you should, have we need done. We do something together. He, yeah. tried to, tried to get he was just sitting there going, I can't believe Matt Goldman is producing you and mom. That is so cool. And I was like... That's right. You're right. It is. It is very cool. I 
and maybe it'll be as cool as Under Oath. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, I, uh, I came up here, moved the studio up here, and I'm like, who do I know in Nashville? Like, I kind of know John, but I don't know John. We should go get lunch, and I need to, I need to get to know John. He knows people. He can, he'll hook me up, right? Um, <laughs> and so yeah, we started talking, and then you know, I, I didn't know how active the Wayside was, and I guess you hadn't done anything in a little while, right? And you're like, yeah, I got a couple songs. And, and at the time, it was kind of funny. And when you write a new song, it needs to feel like one of your better songs. If every, if every new song you write is like, nope, this isn't as good as what I used to do, well, that that's a bad feeling. <laughs> but you had written a couple songs. You mentioned, it's like, man, I, th- I think I've got a couple new songs that are some of the best stuff I've ever, I've ever done. And uh, I was like, well, that's cool. I mean, you should feel that way, but I think you really believed it you knew really I was suspicious <laughs> i think i sent you recordings from like a festival that we yeah. played at i just had my kid record them and i just sent you that because i didn't have any kind of demos right. or anything and they were good and so it was like man i'm here i got a space we can do this and i'd, I'd rather be doing something getting something going than nothing and then you i mean given that you know so many folks being able to bring bring in jimmy who was just a delight to work with Jimmy um, Abag and he, and he played bass and then came back and played like feedback. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like we, we used my guitar and you set up like the coolest sounding swirling like yeah, notes, we, actual notes and like just like lots of howls. Yeah, and, I think we have like three or four feedback tracks running through one of the songs and I'm just kind of fading them in and out yeah, as we go. Yeah. So cool. And then when he played on on the song on Ghost and the needle he played a rhythm guitar that was just so cool i mean it was i mean it's kind of funny because he he made the comment i plugged him into my old uh marshall and as much as i love little combo amps and stuff there's something about a marshall just is awesome but it was kind of funny because he plugged in we plugged in and this thing just basically just turned it on and just sounded great but she's like oh man those are most marshals are amazing i was like dude i didn't say this but i was thinking no jimmy you know tone is in the fingers. It really is. <laughs> if you gave me that guitar, it wouldn't sound as good. Um, yeah. yeah, he d- it made it real easy to make things sound great when he was playing. Yeah. along on not okay at all i think it's all just percussion it's not even a drum kit right and that was it thunders it sounds like oh yeah that was fun and and of course obviously steve's thing with percussion i mean he just has a knack to do cool stuff and he's got he brings all the toys every every option you could possibly want he's got it which is i guess part of why you call him you know you so he even created the click track for us yes, organically yeah. so that we could play along with a an organic click which right. I've never had that before. And I do think when I on that song on uh Not Okay that one took a minute cuz it, t- it has you've got isn't there, there's like a odd time-ish thing. There's like an extra beat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, t- right. it took a few go rounds for it to start to get where it felt natural. It definitely several times Steve was like kind of shaking it's like what just happened yeah and there's also that one spot where you have a you have a kind of surprise chord yeah that surprisingly works yeah i mean it's, it's uh just a really cool track but so i think you're right i mean i don't know your whole catalog you don't no i know i remember <laughs> i had back in the cornerstone days i think i had a cd or a tape or something yeah 
I remember your hair more than I remember your music. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, it was it was definitely one of those things though when you came in. Of course, the the guy who had to play acoustic was fantastic. Dan I didn't Wheeler. Yeah. yeah, and he's not even he's not like a he's not a session dude, is he? He is. I mean, oh, he okay. can do everything, but he also plays live with people, and that was kind of funny because I had intended to just play acoustic, which I normally do, and then have him do some extra stuff. But then because we were p- trying to track as many things simultaneously as we could. I couldn't kind of direct everybody right. and play in the isolated chamber. So he was like, I showed him how I played it, and he played it exactly the right. way I played it. Well, a little better. A little but. better, probably, yeah. <laughs> but definitely perfectly, Yeah, <laughs> which I wouldn't have done. And then when, you know, I didn't have to go back and do that right. part again. So no, I, could, fantastic. I could focus on other stuff. And, Keyboard yeah. player was fantastic. Yeah, Hunter, and, uh, man. And I, it was yeah. really fun for, for um, Jimmy and Steve to meet new people that they'd never played with before. Right. Obviously, they both know Michelle and I, but but to have them hear Hunter, this young guy playing B3 and keyboards, and Dan, and, and be like, where, where did you find these guys? Right. You know, that was really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I just think that the tracks ended up coming together in a really cool way, and, and I, I don't think you're wrong that these were these were really strong songs. <laughs> I appreciate also the way that your, your encouragement around the vocals, especially Michelle's experimentation she's always had a really strong instinct when it comes to all of the ambience and the way that she just has this instinct for harmonies and things Mm -hmm. and we hadn't figured those parts out beforehand she actually couldn't figure them out because i hadn't really nailed down the perfect melody right on either of the songs so uh, i had to get that done first while she sat in here and kind of took notes and figured Mm -hmm. stuff out and then you were able to help with especially some of those crazy psychedelic ideas that I had, you could kind of translate those things. And, and um, she would come up with an idea. And instead of, sometimes people will be like, okay, cool, whatever, and then move on. But you'd be like, you'd stop and say, no, wait, do that again. And that made her, she was heard. And then when you listen, especially not okay at all, the, the real kind of creepy ghost-like things, I think really shine through. And oh, you yeah. did a killer job mixing it, man. Well, thanks, man. But as you mentioned the vocals, on Not Okay in particular, Michelle was here when you cut that vocal, and I remember it was, we didn't do a bunch of takes. It was no. just a take or two. It was really hard to sing that song. And Like but, emotionally hard. No, I get it. No, I, I get <laughs> it, but it, but, it, but, you, but it came through. You felt it in that the performance was, somehow it helped that it was hard. Um, mm. There was no, sometimes you have to try to get people to, you have to coax some emotion out of people. Sometimes you have to like, man, convince me that you're the guy who should sing this song. Mm. Um, but that didn't have to be said. You know, mm. with that is like, oh, clearly, I mean, this is, you should sing this song. Wow. And so wow. that was, uh, that was just, oh, just, it's you. cool when you get to capture something like that. Oh, my soul, my soul, my soul. Oh, how you aching. road is hard and takes its toll I cannot trust what I cannot see Double-minded doubter Clay-footed tears I cannot breathe without her But faith is far from me And I'm the one who flees This is not okay. 
Thanks, Matt. Now step into our very own front room where I talk my long-suffering bandmate and wife into answering a couple of questions. I've been talking about this uh, Ghost in the Needle. I remember us driving around and I had brought an album, won't, won't say who, but somebody that I know you had liked, a mainstream country artist. I thought, oh, she'll like listening to this record. And then we were we were listening to it and it, it just was not, we weren't feeling it. But, but we were on one of the songs, this artist was just name checking like classic country artists. And then we were talking about how that seemed to be such a thing now with younger artists talking about old school country stuff and and um, what do you remember about the conversation and then I think you came up with that idea of that that became the title what I remember is um, I think we were listening on Spotify and I remember feeling just kind of irritated the same way about the name checking not that young people can't I mean, obviously, I want, I hope, I hope to goodness, young people appreciate the old stuff. But it, like you said, it was the inconsistency between what they were saying in this song and what the rest of their music sounded like or said or said about their values musically. So um, I remember just talking about liking the idea of the ghosts of these musicians and how it feels when you put on old records and it kind of feels like they're present and and how it feels when we use our vintage record player and the value I see in putting an old record on an old record player and just listening to it and the way it smells and the way the needle sounds and just all of those things that are a part of bringing you back to that older time and and thinking about the idea of the ghosts coming through the needle that's being placed on the record because um, you don't hear the sound until the needle hits the record. So I remember talking about the idea of being the ghosts being in the needle. And then I remember just having the rest of the conversation, us just kind of imagining and talking about that and then and then just talking about different kinds of needles that ghosts could be in in other scenarios in different ways and um, yeah, I thought we were going to write that one together, but you just kind of did it and showed up and said, Hey, look what I wrote. I was a little, <laughs> I was a little perturbed that I didn't get to do that with you. But, um, but anyway, it's a good song nevertheless. Yeah. Uh, thank you. But I, I do remember you being kind of ticked when I <laughs> came back with that. But then I also know that you're, you definitely helped to kind of, um, shape it and push it. I remember for some reason, I can't remember what the gig was, but we were going to be playing or I was going to be sharing it at a right around or something. And I remember walking around the house with my guitar, practicing it, trying to find a different way to play it so that it didn't sound like every other kind of simple Americana song, you know, especially other ones I had done. And you were kind of pushing me as I was doing it, kind of saying like on the melody and other things and, and, um, kind of challenging me on it and and I think even helping to shape the melody in that way and and uh so that that felt very collaborative on that level for me anyway do you remember do you remember that or am I yeah no I was just going through my phone listening to old recordings last night and I found 
a recording of us working on it in here, just playing through it on the, trying to wrap our heads around it together. And yeah, I do remember feeling like, you know, if we're going to say these things, it should sound authentic to what we're talking about. And we both love that kind of music. So it's not like it's a stretch for it to sound authentic. That's just kind of what, for me anyway, just, I think, pours out of me naturally. So um, I think just vocal delivery wise, maybe you're a little less old school vocal styling (laughs) like style wise I think it doesn't come as naturally to you to sing some of the bends and um just the ways of 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 working a a syllable or a vowel when you're singing these kind of things and so I feel like I remember making some suggestions about that and just the way that you played the song and making it have some longing and lonesomeness to it because that's what I feel like I hear in a lot of those records and so I remember wanting to hear more of that the spirit in those old songs the sound won't be reminding me of something true that I can barely see I put a record on the table Smell the amplifier's heat It gives me hope when I'm unable To feel the rhythm in my feet There are ghosts in the needle As it scrapes music from the grooves Johnny Merle and Patsy And the songs will never lose There are ghosts I'm not okay at all on the recording. The stuff that you came up with, obviously that you kind of play a role, like a almost like a character. Your vocals are so haunting and that story behind that song is so much your story as well. So tell me about in the studio as we were crafting that, the kind of things you were telling the guys and then how the song was coming together in your mind and the ideas that came to you as that started to take flesh and become an actual recording. Well, I remember you you wrote the song when we were separated and you were here and I was there in Chicago uh, because I was with my best friend and her daughter and her husband and her brand new husband and her three little boys all for the last three days of her life and um, and you had to stay back here. And so 
I remember you telling me about writing the song and then the next time I saw you after after all of that happened was when you came up for the service and I can't remember I think you told me then that you had written it but I remember feeling like once we got back and we started playing it um, you know we didn't play a lot of concerts like we used to so we didn't really have a whole lot of time where we were honing the song and like it was melding together so even when we went in the studio I was feeling like gosh I still feel like we haven't really made this song what it what it's supposed to be we had the song that you wrote with the beautiful lyric that you wrote in the bones of the song but nobody else there was connected to that story at all nobody knew the people that we had gone through this with so what everyone had in common was they wanted to make it sound great everyone had the chops but I really felt as we were going along and people were doing it I felt like what was missing was them knowing the story and what was living inside of this song and so I leaned over to Hunter because he was right next to me and I said you know I just described what you had told me about the night that you wrote the song I described you waking up in the night being disoriented having a headache it was dark you're kind of stumbling through the house using your phone as a light and just knowing that any minute this girl that was so precious to us was going to die and her three little boys were going to be left without a mom and just the ripples of that and how it was going to affect our own kids that had grown up with her and it was just a lot. It was the heaviest, hardest thing I'd ever been through in my life. And I remember being separated for something like that, being uh, like feeling so connected, but in completely separate physical locations, going through one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing we'd ever gone through, um, was profound. And I wanted in this song to capture that as though we were together in spirit even though we weren't physically together. So I, I asked Hunter, I said, hey, you know, to Hunter and Matt, I said, I feel like, can we find a sound on a piano that's more like an antique old, maybe even almost slightly out of tune, kind of upright piano or something that sounds like it's coming from down the hall and around the corner. And Matt started messing around. I think it was Matt that, that found the song. I honestly can't remember between the two of them, but all I know is within minutes, they had dialed in exactly what I was hoping to hear. And then Hunter, it seemed like he really heard what I was saying about the story and just what he played was so perfect. It just, to me, that piano is you walking down those halls and stumbling around and being disoriented. It's, it's my, I think it's my favorite part of the track for sure. And then, you know, Steve had been playing playing the drum and he had already pulled a, like a cool drum sound that he was using, but I had asked Steve to just think about it being like a heartbeat. You know, when you're going through something and you're anxious and you're, you know, you're kind of panicky and the, the more you think about the moment, the more panicky you get until your heartbeat almost feels like you can feel it and you can hear it and it's like in your throat and I wanted the drum to feel like that. Like the further along the song got, the more that heartbeat was like in your throat, just pounding. And he really did nail that, I think. 
locally for me, uh, I wanted to have this kind of breathy, airy quality, not like a haunting. I mean, the song I think is has been described as hauntingly beautiful, and I think that is true. I didn't want to be like a ghost. I wanted to be your wife who was with you in the way that people have been married for as many years as we've been do feel the presence of each other even when they're not physically together. So I wanted it to feel as though while you were going through this horrible night, I was there with you going through going through it with you because, I mean, I was, you know. And so that's really what I wanted the vocal to feel like. Like I was just right there next to you. I, I just kind of picture me standing, not that, it, not that it's physically possible for me to stand behind you and put my head over your shoulder because <laughs> you're so tall. But that's what I picture. Whenever I'm listening to that song, I picture my head right next to yours kind of singing those uh, vocals in your, in your ear just as a presence that says, hey, me too, this sucks, this is hard. Yeah, and, and, and it occurs to me that even people who are, I hope, haven't gone through this particular story, and maybe they're not, it's not the sound of a, a spouse, but it's just that sound of comfort that comes from somewhere to say, keep walking, even if it's dark, even if it's cold, you know, mm-hmm. like there's something that comes in the darkness, and yeah. Well, thanks for because I I know that I was I was so just I was trying to just get through it and I had the concept of how I wanted the arrangement to sound, but then having you as a partner in there to communicate all that stuff with the other people, I don't even think I realized going in there like how much communication needed to happen in order to bring everybody up to speed, and then what Jimmy Abeg was able to do with all of the guitar stuff and the kind of creating all of that feedback and ambience and stuff it really really yeah and I felt like Dan even Dan's guitar was just kind of it was just simple and beautiful and it was like um that was the stability in the in the in the middle of the song and then everything else was kind of falling apart around it and even vocally I remember when you went in and you sang feeling like he's totally his head is in getting this done like who needs to be where is he doing what he needs to do to make sure everyone feels taken care of and happy and all of that and and so when you first sang the vocal i remember being like Mm-mm, no no <laughs> that's not gonna do not that the vocal was awful it just wasn't connected to the lyric you know i could tell that you were not completely entering into the lyric because you were still thinking about everything else technically that was going on and so that's why I, I stopped and went in there and said, let yourself kind of live through this moment again as you sing it. And then, well, you know, I mean, when you sang it, we were all like a mess. Even the people that hadn't gone through it were emotional and we had to take a break for a while before we could get another, yeah. <laughs> get anything else done. But yeah, I just thought the communication for that song in particular was important and it was really meaningful that everybody got it and everybody was determined to to capture this and really honor you know what we were trying to do with it
this is not okay at all. It's all shame. writing a lot more in the last several years than the last time we did Wayside stuff. You've gone from being the backup vocalist who co-wrote with me on a few songs to like actually having your own stuff and then writing hundreds of kids songs as well. So how has your creativity changed and what are you doing as a writer now? How, how has that all come about? I mean, this could probably be three episodes worth of your long version of your podcast. Um, I wrote ever since I was little. I wrote my first song when I was like five. And I wrote little instrumental things for my parents that were just expressions of my feelings for them, but they were just instrumental. Um, When I was going through, you know, crushes or falling in love as a young person or breaking up with somebody, I would write to express myself and sometimes I would attach a melody to it but I didn't um, you know ever do anything further than that so I feel like it was in me all along but honestly being married to somebody who wrote not only music but for articles and all of that I just felt a little like well and honestly I had spent a lot of time you know kind of being made to believe that there wasn't a whole lot of I had a hard time feeling like anything I had to offer was valuable in any way. So it was real hard for me to have the confidence to write something and and then let alone share it. But it was really after moving to Nashville in 2007 that um, just being surrounded by people doing this, especially women singing, writing, it just, it was almost like it was inside me and it was like, "Mm, I'm not staying down here anymore. You can't keep me down here anymore and it just started coming and I started writing and I loved it and it took it was difficult but I had to get over some fear to to ask some people that I really respected to co-write with me and and I didn't die from it (laughs) it was and I learned a lot from it and so I you know I had released an EP back in 2012 but and then it's been a long time since then but I've been writing these kids songs and I feel like doing that has really helped with my chops because I have to write every day for that job. And it, and it makes it so that when I sit down to write something of my own or I sit down to co-write, I feel like there's less kind of meandering and figuring out how to get started or where to go with it. And it's a little easier for me to kind of uh, gather my thoughts and focus it into something um, a lot quicker. Yeah, as far as writing style-wise, it's kind of 
it's a little all over the place, but I think in general, it's mostly Americana and rootsy old country is where my heart is. It's what I grew up listening to. It's what I wish there was a lot more of in the world <laughs> now. So uh, if I can help bring that about for people who love that, then that's what I want to be doing. So I just like that. I like collaborating with artists and um, supporting and encouraging each other in our, in our efforts. So that's where I'm at. Here again Water's edge I could hear you in the hollow Everything I had left I had to leave behind a follow underneath the wreckage and the rust can you reach are you strong enough if you take me down take me down You can find Michelle's music on Spotify under Michelle Lynn Thompson. It's also available along with several of our older titles and two new songs in our Bandcamp store at thewaysidestore.com. I'll be perfectly honest, we're trying to sell as many copies of this double single bundle as we can so that we can get back into the studio and make more music. And we're trying to find out who out there is interested in our music so we can communicate with that audience about upcoming projects. Now, before we wrap this up, I'd just like to add that singing these songs, Ghost in the Needle and Not Okay at All, has definitely brought to mind how powerful grief, loneliness, and pain can be, and how I am glad to have music to help me process things like loss, death, and doubt. A couple of weeks ago, one of my younger brothers was in town, and he started playing the chords to a song I wrote when I was in high school. It was a sad, sad song called Will You Stay or Will You Leave? I couldn't believe he even remembered it. Not surprisingly, it's not a very good song, even for an enthusiastic teenager, but it reminded me that ever since I can remember, I've needed music to help me deal with overwhelming emotions. There are a lot of things I have answers to, or at least something like answers, but grief is not something to be answered. It's not something to be explained away or remedied. We just have to feel it and try to survive it. We stumble through dark nights and pray the morning comes. Just know that if you are in that place right now, you are not alone. You are never alone.
True Tunes at 45 RPM is produced by John J. Thompson and Bruce A. Brown for Gyroscope Productions and is intended for the private use of our listening audience. The contents are protected by US copyright law and are the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. Thanks for listening. Cheers. We'll see you next time.